Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Cramblatt, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal-to-the-metal moments. Let's drive. Hello, all my beautiful listeners to the Her Drive podcast. I'm very happy to be interviewing a lovely woman who is unlike any of the other guests I've had on before. Um, Tracy Lamorie is a high-profile international award-winning publicist, the founder and managing director of Lamorie Media Incorporated. Accredited by the iconic Cannes International Film Festival, Tracy is also a Universal Women's Network 2020 Woman of Inspiration winner, for Women in Media Award. So there's a lot to talk about, and her bio goes on and on and on. It's so very impressive. Um, so we'll certainly dive into that. Um, but first of all, hi, Tracy. Welcome to Her Drive. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Hello to everybody listening. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, it's an honor to have you. So, Tracy, where are you based out of, and um, how do you define your yourself as a, a woman um, working hard in, in this modern world. Yeah, so I'm, I like to say lately I've been based on everywhere. Pre-COVID, I was based on everywhere. For most of COVID, I was home in my hometown near Toronto, um, Toronto, Canada. But I work across borders, sometimes literally, you know, mostly online, but, you know, quite often in person. And uh, I'll be, I'm, so I was in Malta recently. I'm heading back to Malta, which is in the Mediterranean, too, and it was a on film festivals in south of france recently in a normal year i'm in la and you know washington and all kinds of different places so but i'm i'm based in toronto and right before COVID, we were about to open an office in la as well like a, a co-working office and hire a staff member there but then COVID came and so luckily we haven't signed any office contracts so we haven't revisited that yet but virtually i have more clients you know stateside than i do in canada so we're everywhere <laughs> but physically right now I'm in I'm in Toronto right now. But Beautiful I'm a travel girl. Give me I got my passport, I'm ready to go wherever. Oh <laughs> we are cut from the same exact cloth. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I love travel. I think it's so mind and soul expanding. It's very it really helpful. Is. It's so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well beautiful. Well tell me how um you got into this is a very vague or broad question, but how did you get into the world of media? Yeah, so the media had been always sort of in here and there, like ever since I, funnily enough, you know, when I was like 15, I wrote in the school, not the school newspaper, in the, the local town newspaper, you know, about school activities. And, you know, I used to volunteer for radio and stuff, and I was, you know, interviewed when I was 13 for this and that. So I always seemed to be near media somehow, even though I didn't grow up in it. But um, when I was 24, I met my husband, Dave Parkinson, who is my co-founder of Lamore Media, along with me. But back then, you know, when I met him, he had a, um, was part of a radio show on 89.5 FM Toronto Radio, which was not just all through Toronto, which is a major media center, but all kinds of, you know, local cities all the way to Buffalo, just to town called Barrie in Canada, all the way to Buffalo and the States, all over the place. And that wasn't online. That was just, you know, through the old internet, or the old, you know, pre-internet actual radio, whatever, <laughs> whatever that language was. Um, 
But so we used to do a volunteer radio show that was mostly essentially public affairs. And that had ended when we were like, you know, 26 or something like that. We were just uh, 26, 27. We were just doing regular um, sales and marketing, entry level, young person jobs. And actually, this is where the business story is, you know, veers off a little bit from the typical or quite a bit. I never planned to be a publicist. You know, I probably would have just been in middle management and sales and marketing working for other people my whole life. But at the same time as we were doing those, you know, sales jobs to make money, what we considered our real, you know, reason for being at the time um, was we had gotten involved with, you know, we always involved with social justice work, anti-racism, and all kinds of other work like that. We got involved with the case of a man named Jimmy Dennis, who nobody was talking about, but at that time was actually factually innocent on death row in Pennsylvania. So we ended up, my, my husband learned how to make a web page and I learned how to um, write a press release because when we wrote for information thinking, gee, how innocent can this guy be? He wrote 20 pages, you know, single space, both sides, and told us the whole story that was disturbing enough that we're like, wow, so what do we do with this information? Do we just say, oh, well, that was interesting. Thanks for spending the time, you know, <laughs> sending us 20 pages, 40 pages of your entire life. Or, or can we do something about it? We weren't lawyers, we weren't publicists, so we thought, well, if we put it out there, maybe somebody who can do something about it will be as disturbed as we are, and that's at least something we can do. So, again, my husband and I got to write a, make a web page. I was going to write a press release. It led to a 17 year campaign. We didn't call it a campaign then, we were just young activists, right? There was no, it wasn't like a campaign. Um, but we, you know, essentially, it was, ultimately, in 2017, he was free. He's an R&B musician today. If you look up Jimmy Dennis, I can tell you to look him up on you know, all streaming platforms instead of asking for help to save his life. Where it becomes a business story is a few years before that happened, before he actually got out, it suddenly occurred to me at the age of 42, and I'm 52 now, and I, I wrote my first press release to put it in context at 28 when we got involved with that case, and it never occurred to me to make a business out of it. And it wasn't until I was 42 that I suddenly thought, oh, you know what, you know, because I was always the one whenever beyond that, if it was a cause I cared about or, you know, a local whatever that I was supporting, I'd always be the one to say, oh, I'll write the press release. And everybody would say, you'll write the what? <laughs> so I realized that most people didn't, because uh, I had learned how to navigate media through that whole long international campaign, right, where we've got TV and radio and newspapers all the Jimmy Case and about the the death penalty beyond that, just based on you know the wrongful conviction side of things, essentially. Um, and so when it suddenly occurred to me, beyond that, I mean, years after that, so the media didn't know me from that anymore because we stopped doing media years before. You know, I had a, um, a son in 2003, so a lot of our activist work, though we stayed, you know, we were always, we stayed, you know, kind of on that case. A lot of the other, in the day to day stuff that we've been doing. I had to fall to the wayside because we were you know, new parents and buy you know working and buying house our house and all that stuff. Anyway, so when I was forty two, it hit me that I had skills that not only creatives, you know, but small businesses, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, authors could use because they didn't understand how to reach out to media effectively with a story and how to get into media. So I started first I freelanced ten years ago. And then from 2015 to 2020, my husband and I had a, a general partnership, which is basically with the, like when you, you know, open your own business, but you haven't incorporated yet. And then by 2020, my business consultant said, wow, you're literally working on a global level. You need to incorporate. We incorporated right in the middle of, of COVID. We've been able, we were lucky enough to pivot 
because at first we lost a lot of the business that we had that was to do with travel or events or entertainment that was, you know, event-based. <coughs> and then, um, yeah, we made, and then as we find other projects that still needed promoting, we incorporated, and from there, it's been, it, you know, we, uh, I guess I'm, I'm, with hard work and also, I guess, luck and everything else, goodwill of everybody, um, we managed to do well in spite of the limitations of the last two years. Um, and part of that has been strategic, you know, like I do for my clients, putting myself and my clients on a lot of podcasts, making sure that we get a lot of media. Some of the tricks that I can tell entrepreneurs, the little things that they can do and ways they can get the media. Um, but all these things led to, you know, that impressive bio that you read out. But basically, it's all about showing up, all those awards, you know, people had to nominate me the way I nominate my clients now. And a lot of us are doing, uh, you listeners, everybody, no matter what you're doing, you're doing amazing work, but maybe you're not getting the awards. Well, when you start looking at the awards, you see, well, because it's just that nobody, you know, you, you didn't know about it. Nobody in your circle knew about it to nominate you. But once they do, you're nominated, your amazing work, you know, will be recognized too, because we're all doing a lot of great things. And a lot of us just, you know, people know about it locally, but how do you, how do you kind of translate that into being able to build your kind of, I hate that expression, but thought leadership, you know, by getting those awards and that kind of thing. Fascinating. Well, there's so much gold in what you just shared. Uh, I am I curious. Know, though. I don't want to talk so much, but it's hard to, hard to tell that one in like a two second. <laughs> no, it, I, that's the beauty of life. And we have this, uh, all these words and language to describe it. So I, I love listening. I do have a, a beautiful question um, in regards to, you, you said, you had started doing this work in your 20s, not realizing it could be a career path for yeah. you. Um, so what happened at 42 that you woke up to to this? So I had been, you know, I'm not even sure what the exact moment was. Okay, you know, I, I kind of remember, I just remember, but I do remember the exact moment where I said, that's it, I'm not doing sales anymore, I'm gonna do this. And that was almost like a, and I, luckily I was already, I wasn't in corporate or anything. I was already and had been for quite some time working from home. I've been working, but like it was working for corporate, for corporate, but out of my home office just because that's the way that company did things. It was way pre, I mean, we're talking about 19, or sorry, 2009, 2010. So I was working at home already. And I can't, and I had moved from one city to the next. And I don't remember, for some reason, the job, even though it, I can't remember the detail, but for some reason I wasn't doing as much. I had, I think I still had a buffer, like I was still doing some work with them for, you know, and then I started looking for, okay, how can I write this press review, you know. But, you know, it's funny because it's more like, the question I ask myself isn't so much, you know, what made me think about it at 42, it's like, what the heck, honestly, did I not think about it at 32 or at 28? You know, I know I never would have wanted to make money off of the activist work that I was doing. I never would have wanted to get paid for that work. But the skills that I was, that I just happened to build, the media, I mean, talking about, you know, it was quite a contentious issue because back in those days, there wasn't making a murder and there wasn't all these shows about, you know, whatever innocence. Or, so, you know, once someone was convicted, it was really hard to push against the brain and say that they're, you know, they were not guilty. And luckily, finally, in 2000, this is before he had a good team of lawyers, and finally there was a team of lawyers that were looking for a case of factual, actual innocence to go for a vulnerable line. And that's just like a unicorn. It doesn't happen. And they showed up and, you know. But yeah, but real, really the question is, why did I never think of that? Because it's so, you know, I, and mostly because I think it was just that, 
you know, it's funny because I remember my father saying to me, and I agreed with that he was right even at the time, I was 29, almost 30, and he said, you know, if you, that was in the days we, you know, we were doing, like we'd come home and do like two out, two, three hours of work a night on the, the nonprofit webpage that we were building, on the work, you know, to, to try to get the word out, you know, just like 30 hours a night, like we're the job. Only it wasn't, and we had no intention of making the job. And I remember my dad saying to me, and this is before I ever thought about building a company or had any intention of doing it. He said to me, you know, if you spent half the time at, on, as you do on this, building a company, you'd be a millionaire by the time you're 30 next year. And I sat there and thought, even that age, thought, yeah, you know, he's right. But you know what? That's not my priority. <laughs> yeah. And then by the time I was, and there was all those important things to do, and I just kept working, and I don't know why, but business building was never in my mind either. Like, I never grew up to think about opening a business. You know, that wasn't a thing. And then I think probably by the time I was 42, there were also things like freelance sites and Upwork and Freelancer and all those things. And that probably was something to do with it too, because I remember looking on those for the kind of jobs I was doing at the time, the sales jobs and that kind of thing, now that I'm thinking of it. And I would have seen the marketing job, which I wasn't so much into, and I would have seen, you know, write a press release. I probably thought, oh, yeah, I know how to do that. <laughs> Because I know I was on those things. So it could have been, it was probably a combination of the move and just thinking, and you know, I'm a mom and I got kids now and you know, I'm not just going along with the, the, the job that, you know, that I have and I'm looking at other opportunities. But somehow that never occurred to me when I was younger. I think just because I wasn't money motivated, I wasn't thinking about how I was collecting these skills. And it wasn't until I saw, oh yeah, I can do that, that I started doing it. And then I really did it. One of my first clients, you know, from one of those sites, actually a freelance site. I, I always say this, but I, you know, I couldn't believe it. it was part of what gave me the confidence to like put myself out there to anybody. Was one of my first clients ended up being the cousin and the professor, who's the cousin of Rosa Parks, and she at the time was working on her film, My Cousin Rosie, which she ended up thanking me in, and you know, she has a children's book now about it, but. That was, I mean, Rosa Parks is like, a, not even like a real person in my head, it was like a legend, she was like a legend, you know, so to be working on that level with, you know, uh, one of the, uh, uh, with family member of one of the greatest civil rights figures, you know, in world history. So after that, you know, obviously I had those, those kind of references, along with, you know, what I've been able to do when you Google me in those days, you didn't, you didn't actually see all this stuff that you see if you Google me now, which is all business and entrepreneur and PR, you saw a lot of my human rights work and my death penalty work. And at first I thought, gee, maybe that would be a detriment to my like, who I don't want to <coughs> work with somebody who's done that or whatever. But actually, you know, I wouldn't have worked. I didn't end up hearing from people who felt that way. I heard from people who, if anything, they just said, they may not have told me what they thought about that issue, but they said, well, you know, you're obviously a real go-getter. You know what you're doing. You know how to get your work message out there. So, and people just trusted me with their message and that, you know, they continue to do that, and I'm you know, super honored. But at the beginning, they, you know, I didn't have uh, references a mile long like I do now. With the people that trust me with their message, I, you know, worked on them like they were my own. I think I still do. And at the end of the day, just you know, I'm I'm as amazed or more <laughs> as everybody else at the opportunities that have opened up, and you know, that I always just say it's nothing special about me or whatever. It literally is, like they say, half of doing things and just showing up and half of showing up is having the confidence to not be afraid to do it and to you know not fear those tables and just be confident in what you do and you wouldn't be there if you didn't, weren't doing it if you weren't supposed to be, you know?
And so that's what I've just kind of not been afraid to knock on every door and show people what I do, and the results have been pretty awesome. I've never spent a penny on advertising, and, you know, look what I've been able to do. So that's, I think everybody should take inspiration from that because it's not because I'm special. It's just because I'm just, I just keep doing things, and I don't let, you know, if someone tells me, oh, I don't think she can do that, if anything, that kind of fuels me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. As it should be a motivator for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, what is there anything that you do in like your daily, weekly, monthly, annual life that kind of keeps you centered and motivated, or, or is that just kind of your your personality? I think it's just that I really all of it. Like I, I'm at the point, and I'm you know blessed in my career now that I'm at the point. This is the definition of success to me that I can say no to as many projects as I say yes to, not because I'm rolling in money or anything, but just because enough projects are presented to me that, you know, I can choose from them. And that's, I really try to take things that I actually resonate with, that I like the people behind it, and I like what they're doing. And that way, honestly, that phrase where they say, if you like what you're doing, you never work a day in your life, is my actual truth. I wake up, and from the time I wake up, I'm, you know, literally, before I've even finished a cup of tea, I'm checking my emails, I'm responding to clients, I'm going through media opportunities of the day, and I'm not even like, oh, I'm working. I'm just, it's just like my natural flow. It's almost like there's no, it sounds like a really unhealthy thing when I say it, there's no separation between my work and my life. It's because, like, I'm, these are the things I'm thinking about, these are the things I'm enjoying, I'm liking, I'm watching a show, and I'm thinking, oh, gee, that would be good for, you know, so there's no at work and at home. I find I'm working most of the time when I'm awake. And that's, I guess, what it takes. I read a quote recently, two quotes. One that said, you know, working for yourself, it means you get to choose at which 80 hours of the week, you know, you want to work. And I laughed and only 80. <laughs> you know, basically, you're always working. And um, I can't remember what I was going to say. That wasn't a moment later. But yeah, so you're always, oh, yeah, the other one was somebody was saying young people, yeah, and I'm 52, so I don't know where I stand. I would be between the generations you've talked about. He was probably like a 70-year-old talking with a 30-year-old today. But he was, and I don't, I'm not agreeing with him or disagreeing. I'm just saying this is his uh, personal observation. But just take the generations out of it and think of it as some people do this and some people do that. And he was saying, you know, some people in, our, in his generation, he was saying, or as, as he remembered, would work, you know, 80 hours a week. Or they, he said they would start work at, you know, 40 hours, 60 hours a week. That was the norm. And that's how they managed to, you know, do all the things that they ended up doing and that we in our generation you know we feel pressed if we have to work the 40 hours it's like oh i'm so exhausted i'm overwhelmed and there's probably a bit of truth to that but also obviously the playing field is not at the level as it was before and social economically things have changed you know from those generations too but it's still an interesting observation how we view work and what does it actually take to be successful right is hours and time and putting the time and not just you know chilling too much and not too much netflix and just actually get nice <laughs> and rest and exactly. find new opportunities people say to me oh you're lucky but you know when i'm not working i'm usually looking for opportunities mostly for my clients but as i do that i find things for myself too and then i'm emailing people and making connections and that's how i'm getting that invite to that speaking engagement or that's how somebody i don't even know nominates me for an award or, because you have to keep on you know keep on reaching out and we have all the same tools right now Right, that thing in front of us or in our pocket, the phone or the computer, how we all have, you know, some hours in the day that we can choose to use one way or the other. Some of us have less hours, you know, we may have young children or a lot of obligations, and that's a different story. But like, 
whatever time we do have, how do we spend it? And usually the answer to that will kind of lead us in the direction of what we can expect to happen that year. Yeah, I think that is all so spot on, you know, how, what you choose to do with your time and always being alert to opportunities that are around you. Um, yeah, I mean, that. If, and I also think there's, that's very easy to do when you have a career that your soul is aligned with and you naturally love because yeah. then it just, it continues to fuel that, that fire, so to speak, whenever you get those little hits of like, Ooh, somebody would love this. Ooh, someone would like exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. So I can't wait to have the best, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, um, what are kind of some of the fun things that you, you get to do in your work? Oh my gosh. Number one, travel. When you say that, I get, um, I've been introduced to so many, like, you know, it's happening again this year, but 2019, especially in Africa, I went so many places that I hadn't planned or expected to go. Like I never, like, for example, Malta was never, I don't, I never thought about it. Never, it's a tiny little island in the middle of the Caribbean, like it's like 30 kilometers or something. I don't even know it's little, right? Wouldn't have been on my plan, you know, but I went there for, I had to go there for a conference. And then when I had the opportunity to go two years later when the world opened up again, that's the first place I went when the next conference I went because, you know, it was brilliant. Just amazing, everything from the Neolithical 6,000-year-old temples to, you know, beautiful churches to Baroque to medieval, just to everything in a little tiny, tiny little place with great coffee and, you know, whatever else. But, um, and then I was I was blessed to go to Jamaica, not into a big resort area, but up in the mountains near Dingrewa, where they tell you not to go, but because you know, but we were it was better than any resort. It was like a locally owned resort built by local people, and we were like brought into the community and had you know it was again we were there on a business project where one of our clients was talking to government, but we were just able to go and just hang out there. And then even you know, within the states, we got to go to Washington D.C. We got to go to a little place in Ohio that was just really cool. We got to go to Vegas, you know, which I was wasn't really on my list of destinations, but it was, but it was really not a gambler, but it was really fun too. I love Fremont Street, so all those things, you know, like I, I, I can't believe I'm, you know, even now, like wow, I'm working and something like that takes me to all these places. It's incredible. And then, you know, there's all this stuff you think about when you see publicists. There's VIP parties and there's you know, backstage with this and that. We, I always laugh, but PR does kind of open every door because, like, if you, for example, a great example of that is, you know, we go to a music event like South by Southwest or North by Northwest or something, and everybody's there to see the rock stars or the bands. Meanwhile, the senior publicists are all in the corner world talking amongst ourselves, and the bands are trying to come and get our attention because they know why they're famous <laughs> or they want to get famous you know they know it's a, i mean so we're kind of like the rock stars to the rock stars whereas the, everyone wants to know this stuff. but yeah we're anonymous we get to be quiet we get to be we don't have to deal with all that so you know we get that fun thing we do but then at the end of the day you know that's like 20 percent of the job and 18 hours at my desk you know making the connections for my clients to make this happen or that happen or to get my client into that party or you know that's the other part of it. So it's all, it's, it takes a lot of communication, it takes strategy. It takes, when I started, I didn't have a single connection, but yet to be good at making those connections. And yeah, so it's really, you have to like people, you have to be comfortable with all kinds of different people and all kinds of different personalities. You have to be quick thinking, you have to be strategic in terms of looking for opportunities and 
and being able to get your head around what you know what your client does, not just what you do, and your clients, especially if you're working across industries, you know. But it's all that's really fun. That's the fun part of it, let me tell you. A lot of it's fun, but well, it seems like you have to become um, an expert on so many different things. Yeah. And, and people, as you said, their specialties. And then you're kind of the magician behind the curtain, right? Yeah. That makes, makes everything happen in, in the land of Oz <laughs> for all the of us. The way I have to say it is like, they're the, it's like I'm the frame, you know, that, that helps frame that like their work is there. You know what I mean? I'm not doing the work. They're, they're already doing these incredible things, but I'm helping frame it and present it so that people can see it and shine a best light on it so people can see it from that direction and they can see it from, so the way i said like it's not about doing anything you know false but if this came out these words just jumped out in a podcast i was doing like lately i've been um, to keep quoting them because it's for myself because they're so good right but I, I was trying to explain what i did and i said it's all it's basically about elevating and celebrating the amazing things that all these like legitimately amazing things and amazing work all these people are doing that the world is not necessarily looking at and showing them, you know, to the right people in the right place at the right time to, so that they can go work with these. Fascinating. So you've written a, a book recently. Has it been published or will it be coming out soon? Soon. I'm almost finished. They were like bugging me. It's, it made funny because the publisher is not self-published. The publisher, Friday Publishers, asked me to write it. So, you know, because I had done some PR for them and some of their authors and they said you have to write a book about you know, your magic. And so you know, COVID ended up interrupting it at first because I had to really turbo to kind of get back on track financially. But then it also, I kind of put myself on a on a track to know, you know, just take it like a job, write it for a couple hours a week to it. And so then I got a lot more chapters done. But I'm actually really glad we had the window of COVID because a lot of things came out in that time. Like I saw people destroy, you know, online in, in moments, reputations that they take in years to to build, for example, out of stress or whatever else going on, or you know, being upset, or you see just other examples of, you know, um, things that that came up in those times where I thought, oh, gee, there's some commentary that can be made, you know, around these things. And, and what's um, the premise of your book going to be? Sorry, what is it about? Yeah, called, what, is, what is it all about? Yeah, sorry, it's called Get Wrecked: Build Your Brand with Effective Public and Media Relations. So it doesn't just say what a publicist. A lot of it talks about how what, how you can do some of the things a publicist does on your own. Some and if you want to do that, what are some things to not do, as well as some things to do. And then where are some you know, here are some tools that you can go on, you know, by yourself. And what do you, what do you need a publicist for? And if so, what you know, all that kind of stuff. And at the end is also you know kind of aimed at anybody. There's a lot of people who have. If they're chosen marketing or they're good in communications or for journalists or whatever. And the second part of it talks about like, would this be a career for you? And if so, you know, what it like goes deeper into what policy does, how we do what we do and that kind of stuff. So it's aimed at entrepreneurs and also anybody who would like to know, you know, how we're doing this. Fascinating. Well, a lot of the Her Drive listeners are small business owners, female run um, operators. So can you give some some little hints or details or for quick tips to to decide one if you need a publicist or not, and then if you don't, what are some things that that small business yeah, owners sure. or personalities can do? Just to get your head around it first, like you know, the, the number one thing that entrepreneurs usually have a problem kind of understanding before they reach out to media is the language to use, and they whereas as entrepreneurs we're used to doing the marketing, so we're used to speaking in an advertorial way. 
if you speak, if you send like an advertorial kind of thing to the editorial department, they're going to send you to the advert, you know, to, to the ad department. They're big with this too. So you have to, what you're doing when you're reaching out to any news department, or whether it's to be interviewed on a podcast, or whether it's to be interviewed by your local news, is understand their audience, understand if that's the kind of thing that they, you know, like first understand what they put on, and then present to them, like you're, you're, one of, you're, you're gifting them with information. The information is not that you have a new sale on, or that you, you know, you know it has to be actually, like so if, if you want to land, you know, and make its mark, you have to actually think about what that outlet is likely to put on. So people always say, I want to be on the news. Well, what, on the 22-minute news, you know, the half an hour local news, where it's really 22 minutes after ads, of which 15 minutes is world news and five minutes is sports. So now they have two minutes to talk about local stuff. What's your pitch? Because it's going to have to be pretty strong. I've gotten lots of plays on TV, but it's, yeah, that's where the story comes in, right? Now, if you want to try it yourself, keeping that in mind, so that's whether you're reaching out with a media advisory or press release, or if there's a tool, some tools I'm going to give you, so have your proverbial pencils out. There's some online, there's, there's some free services that are similar to paid services that we use as publicists to hook our clients up that entrepreneurs can go and check out. And it kind of gives you an idea of how many opportunities there are for no matter what it is that you do, there are media opportunities for you. So these are places where you'll find things like, uh, you know, Reader's, Di uh, Reader's Digest writer saying, with the deadline of Friday at 4, I'm looking to speak to you know, interior design, people who can tell me, blah, 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 or I'm looking to speak to, uh, you know, people who work in hotels who can tell me this, or I'm looking to speak to accountants who can tell me this, or, you know, whatever, literally almost any business you can think of, if you watch these things for a week or so, you'll be amazed at the media opportunities that are there for you. And so one of them is called, and the, the one negative about this one is it's free, and sometimes, sometimes you'll see, you know, a day later, um, oops, Sometimes you'll see a day later um, the 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 request there that you saw like on some of the paid services earlier, but still it's worth checking out. And I've gotten a lot of juice out of it, which is Harrow, Help a Reporter Out, and uh, is one. Source Bottle in Australia, if you want to pay some money for them, Quoted is another one, Q-W-O-T-E-D. Or check out the hashtag journal, like journal request, that's mostly UK. But on all these things and others, you'll see requests for reporters who need quotes from experts, all kinds of experts right now, and you can reach out to them with your best quote. Here's again where you would have to remember editorial, not advertorial, um, you know, and, and really give them something that, you know, again, you're not there to get a free ad, even though it's in the back of your mind. You're there to give them content. So think about what kind of content they'd be presenting and try to have the mind of an editor. And if you can do that, and if you want to spend the time writing the pitch, which is, you know, a little bio of you that uses words like, you know, why you're a compelling speaker, and add, even add, you know, whatever links you have, whether it's your your page in your socials or whether it's any media that you've already got, you know, and then just send it off and start. And those are called pitches and see what happens. That's super helpful information. And I have... um. A small business um, where I do very niche uh, travel planning, and I was always under the assumption that um, you want to pro provide value for these media outlets. It's not just about or whomever your audience is. It's not just about selling something and promoting your services. That should just come through naturally with 
the being an travel, there's a ton of opportunity, like a ton. Literally every day you see result, you know, um, just ladies for travel experts of all kinds. You know, they're looking for experts in terms of like someone who works in a hotel or someone who works for an airline. But more often it's just sort of a loose feature of travel experts. And that's why I've been in all kinds of media too, just being quoted on travel, literally media around the world from all the major news outlets you can think of because something went out over the wire and then the next thing you know it was in Washington Post, Global TV, whatever, and India Times, you know, and it was just about traveling again after COVID. And that's just because I saw one of those. I'm like, oh, I can respond to that. I asked them. I gave them my credentials. I'm a business traveler. I do this and that. Here's some previous links where I've been interviewed about travel. And then I got in that. And so, and honestly, travel um, almost every day. I know because I had a hotel year client, still do. And so I always look through the requests about travel. And literally on a daily basis, there's stuff. And these are like, some of them are like Condé Nast Traveler, like Glamour, like major, major media mentions. And so it may only be a line there. It might only say, you know, you said, she's like Jane from Jane's Travel, you know, company says, you know, I recommend Aruba this time of year because whatever, whatever. But then you're in Glamour. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's going to be A, like an ad that people will come to you from that. But also B, you're able to use that in your bio as, as, you know, quoted in Glamour magazine, that's quoted, this is how you build that thought leadership. And so I always say, you know, if you have more time than money, you know, spend a bunch of hours and look through it, and, you know, whatever else. But if you have more money than time, or if you have any marketing budget at all that you're putting toward, you know, your company, think about even if it's only for a month, whether it's me, I work globally, or, uh, or another publicist, think about just like, hiring a publicist for a month just so you can see a you'll learn you'll get that pitch you'll see how they present you which you know you'll soak up and, and and get an idea of if you want to do it yourself later you can start to give you an understanding of, of that of the pitch and also i always do use another tip when you you know sending your bio and your links I, I have a really impressive bio like you said but for most people if i just send the bio if i'm sending it to media most people just be like okay so what do you want me to do with that so I have to put in there like why that matters. So I put, you know, Tracy can speak about, you know, finding inspiration in this and that. Tracy can speak about blah blah blah. Tracy can speak about building your brand without spending a penny in action. So or whatever it is, you give them kind of, you know, or I, I, some examples of potential segments you could do, and then they're like, well, that would be geared to their audience, and then they're like, oh yeah. So for example, if you're like, you know, a family lawyer, instead of just saying Jane's a family lawyer who would blah 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 blah. You're like, okay, she can, this is your bio. She can also do a compelling segment on, you know, how children respond to court. She can talk about how how you should how you should dress for court. She can talk about whatever it is. You kind of gear for their audience. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that would make a good segment. So you have to kind of spoon feed them. Well, that is all extremely helpful. Um, and I think that the audience will certainly glean some some assistance in, in that space just based on what you sh you've shared. When you look okay. kind of down, like, you know, down the road, so to speak, what do you see that's like big for you coming up? Well, now that I've been to Con once and you know, Con Film Festival, and I understand how that, because what most people don't understand until we go is that one side of it is basically, basically I can't remember the number, but several billion dollars worth like five billion dollars worth of business done at con every year in the marshall film which is basically an expo and convention for film people 
that's not the part that you see, not the red carpet part that we can all go to as well, but we all get excited in the industry about the march. And because of the connections we can make and the, you know, all the buyers there and everything. So I'm working on some really important projects, you know, some of them really personal to me. And now uh, now I'm preparing to go to Con next time, not just with them, because this time we went, we were right in the middle of it all, but we didn't bring our own project. We were sort of observing how it all works and all that. So we have big plans to go and to take some of our clients to the Con Film Festival with us and introduce them to the big guns this coming May. And, you know, before that, you know, I'm going to be in, like I said, in New York probably for two months in Malta. We plan to expand our operations more there. We already have clients all over Europe. My husband's a European Union citizen, so we're hoping to um, open an office out there too and see what happens either in Malta or in Ireland. And yeah, so just expand our European operations. So take over the world. <laughs> just be able, to, be able to serve our clients better. And, you know, like I said, I like to travel. So if I can spend two months of the year, you know, working from my laptop outside of the Canadian winter, I'm like all for that. I'm all about that. So I'm hoping to do that. That is amazing. And I'm so pumped for you and look forward to, to watching your journey unfold even more. <laughs> Well, Tracy, this is my favorite question to ask um, every single guest. And it is, if you could go back in time and give a younger you some words of advice, uh, how old would you be and what would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I would probably be like 20, 20. And I would say, don't work for other people. Don't, don't even start that. Just... You know, use your brain. Do I? You know, I didn't. When I started my business, I didn't have any funding. I literally had the internet and I had the desktop computer in the corner of the apartment that I was living in at the time. And I should have done that ten years before that, or fifteen years before that, or you know, because if I had started, I not instead of the stuff I did. I if I had to only do one or the other, I'd happily just do what I did and you know see the results, which I'm very proud of and happy of. And, Jimmy Dancing and Free Man today and all kinds of other good things happen. But um, I should have at the same time, you know, instead of spending all my resources at my day job, nine, ten hours a day at entry-level jobs where most of the time they don't see who's working for them in terms of the skills that you might have or be able to utilize, you know, because I didn't go to university or anything. So I was just applying for entry-level jobs. So those are the jobs I was getting and that's where I was staying. And... I was making a really good name for myself in other stuff I was doing, but I would say focus, you know, on the career side too, because I've, I've absolutely amazed myself what I've been able to do in 10 years between 42 and 52. I can only imagine what I would have done if I've been doing this for 30 years. So Yes, absolutely. I think that's such solid advice. And when you have a passion for something, go after it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, Tracy, it's been such a joy chatting with you. Um, do you have any other words of wisdom, some advice, just tidbits that you want to share with, with everyone before yeah. we say our I goodbye? Always, I always just like to leave off with um, my favorite quote, which I don't even know who said it, but I just think it's so motivating no matter where we are, which is, we didn't get this far to only get this far. You, the listener, didn't get this far to only get this far. Like I always say, that is really relevant you know whether you're doing well and you're happy with where you're at and you have goals or anything still but it's even more relevant if you're feeling like you have any of your goals if you're feeling bummed out if you're feeling like you haven't got far or you didn't do the things you wanted but you know the fact that it's yet you haven't done the things you wanted yet 
the simple fact that you got up and got out of bed and you're awake and you're thinking, you know, that that's a win because you got to this point, you got this far, in spite of all the stuff you've had to deal with, in spite of all the people out there that didn't want you to, in spite of all the people that might have treated you badly, you got, you know, you, you successfully got through it, you got through it, you're here. And so you didn't go through all that, you know, to only go this far. You didn't go through all that to fall apart or to get depressed or to get discouraged or to feel like you're not enough. You are. You've done a lot. You're going to keep on doing it. So just keep on hitting, you know, whatever those challenges are. And some of them are harder than others. And some of them are almost impossible to beat. But you can't beat them if you don't start trying. So, you know, seriously, you didn't get this far. You're doing it. Keep doing it. Mm, amen. That's beautiful advice and applies to all of us. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tracy. And just one last question. Where can, um, where can our audience find you? So you can find me at uh, LinkedIn under my name, Tracy Lamori or Facebook or uh, almost all social media, except for um, Instagram, where you'll find me at Tracy Lamori PR media, or you can find me on my website, lamorimedia.com magnificent well thank you so much tracy for gracing me with this beautiful conversation oh thank you so much thanks for listening to her drive with cindy cramblett if you want to know more about today's guest or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview please see the show notes visit instagram or her-drive.com and please 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 if you love the show leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.